Hi, this is James Devine, and I am an educator who has come out of the trenches. Listen in as my friend and colleague Dana Goodyear shares stories and tips from other educators who have come out of the trenches. Welcome to the Out of the Trenches podcast. This is Dana Goodyear. Thanks for listening. My next guest is Valentina White Rito. Valentina is a former special education teacher and current owner of Idea Reimagined, a firm that provides training and professional development services exclusively to special education teachers and leaders. Her company's mission is to increase student achievement for struggling students and those with disabilities. She is also a doctoral student and college instructor researching special education teacher preparation. Welcome to the podcast, Valentina. Thanks for having me. Well, it was a pleasure to kind of chat with you a few months ago about your firm and how you got started with that. Uh, So we'll discuss that on the podcast and some of the services that you offer. But let's start off with uh, the question I ask everybody. Tell me about a time when you were in the trenches and managed to call out. Let's see. Um, Well, for me, uh, I guess I can go back to my earlier uh, years growing up um, and having learning uh, issues and challenges and being able to crawl out of that um, when it, during a time when there was no, there was very little opportunities. Um, when I was in school, it, it was, you was either on one end of the continuum where you was completely isolated, self-contained. Um, there was no, no programs for kids that just were struggling. And so um, I kind of managed to crawl my way out of it and, um, in middle school was probably the most um, difficult time uh, for me, just because in middle school, everything you learn in elementary school kind of comes to a head and um, there was so many gaps. And so um, I spent, uh, I repeated seventh grade twice. Um, I became a behavior problem, uh, you know, and I love to learn, I love to read, I love to, um, I just couldn't make the connection you know, um, and so uh, I was placed in this program um, after I repeated, uh, was gonna be in seventh grade for the third time. Uh, So they put me in this program for like overaged middle school students so that we can um, get our GED and have a life, um, you know, get a job or whatever. And so it was during that time um, that the teacher in that program was, he was a special ed teacher. This was his last year, <laughs> he was retiring. And so he was, I guess, just gonna finish off the year doing that. I don't know if he had done it previously, but I was uh, uh, on target to get my GED. And so you have to take a test so they can see where you are so that they can help you get to that point where you can um, take the, the test and pass and get your diploma. That's where I was. I was 15. Um, and they figured another two or three years of getting me ready and I'd be ready to get a GED. So, um, so I met this man, he tested me, long story short, he tested me and he asked me, older, older man, much older. Um, and he called me to his desk and he said, what are you doing in this class? And I was like, well, I'm too old to be in middle school, you know, whatever. And um, so they put me here um, and he said, your scores are, you don't have any scores that's lower than 10th grade. Now at the time I was supposed to be in like the ninth grade. He said, some of these scores you could 
actually get you D, your GED tomorrow. Like, I don't understand. He was baffled. He didn't understand why. Um, I scored so high. And then he looked at my grades and saw how low they were. Long story short, he was like, I'm going to get you out of here. And you have to promise me that you're never going to repeat a grade. If you, you, you do what you have to do, but you, you never are going to repeat a grade. Your goal is to get a high school diploma and make something of yourself because the system failed you, you know. Um, so we spent the whole school year and he grilled me and he, you know, he was the first person to say, I think you're smart, you know, like you're smart. And it, it's, when you tell a child that they're smart, I don't know, you, they believe you, you're a teacher, you say, well, you're smart. Well, okay, I believe you, you know. So um, he, um, all through the, that year, and so he went to the principal and he went to this committee because there was, it wasn't like an IEP because I wasn't technically a student receiving special education services. I was just in a program. So, but there was still like a, a, a building level committee. And this was in the eighties. I mean, this was a long time ago. Yeah. So, um, you know, um, and he told them, he's like, I want her to go from seventh grade. I want her in high school is what he told them. They said she, she has a, she has the scores, but then my behavior wasn't I wasn't a behavior problem at that time. Um, I was really focused, um, and so he I don't know what he, what he told them, but he he wanted me out of that program. He wanted me back on track to get a high school diploma, and so um, I left middle school and I went to high school, um, and I never repeated a grade. Now granted. I graduated at the bottom of my class, but I graduated and I never repeated again. And um, so that was my trench, trenches moment. And that's when I knew um, that there were other people like me. Um, and so that kind of put me, you know, on that path to becoming an educator, you know, pulling myself out of that situation. Because so many people were in my situation that didn't get the opportunity and they ended up dropping out and they ended up, you know, going down different paths. And um, I feel like my situation, I went through that for a reason, you know? So that's why I'm doing with what I'm doing. That's my why, in other words. <laughs> Definitely, that's managed in your, man manifested in your professional life. Um, so tell me a little bit about when you started, um, you know, teaching special education um, you know, you said uh, at the beginning of your career, you were underprepared for all the compliance work, um, you know, the fact that you can't teach special ed in a vacuum. So mm -hmm. how did you uh, work together with some of your co-teachers? The first year was, it was difficult because in college, the perspective that you, that you, that you receive from your, your teachers about what you, what you're walking into is not, it wasn't a reality for me. I can't say it. Um, it's like that for everybody, but so I had a when I when I first started teaching, I had a master's degree in special education, and so I thought, oh, I got this because you know I I, got, I have an advanced degree. You know, you you know, make it sound like it's like it means something, you know. And so you go into the classroom. First of all, they know you're a first year teacher, and when I say they, I mean general ed teachers. Um, and so they were like go, go run these papers off, go do this at the office, go, you know, uh, you know, cause, and I understand, you know, they don't know me, they don't trust me. I haven't earned, maybe, maybe they feel I haven't earned a, a right to, to provide services. Uh, they, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I can't, you know, uh, 
I'm just guessing, but the first year was rough because I didn't have that confidence. You know, yeah. I walked in the classroom and the teacher's up doing her uh, whole group instruction and I'm standing there and I'm like, well, I mean, I can't go and teach with her because she's teaching math. And I mean, I can't, you know, teach that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I can show them what, wh- how I learned it and, and the strategies I used when I was struggling to understand it. Um, but it was difficult because the teacher was always in front of the classroom. So it's like, okay, well, when am I, you know, so that was, it was, it was a lot of, um, we just didn't have those assigned roles. Like you do this and I'm going to do that. It wasn't that it was like, I walk in and it's like, Oh, Hey, how you doing? And then, you know, it's like, I was kind of like not there. So the first year was rough. Um, and then I started, um, I started uh, doing an ed specialist, uh, degree and I took some classes and, you know, you have access to the library for the university. And so I started looking up co-teaching strategies and, you know, doing some independent research. And then I started to implement those things in the classroom, like uh, strategies, like how to chunk stuff. I didn't, I hadn't learned that um, in my master's program, how to chunk uh, information for students that, you know, um, have a hard time reading, you know, a long uh, list of a long article or something like that. Um, How to um, math strategies, um, how to, um, you know, teach writing, how to break it down into smaller parts. Um, like all of those things I, I learned on my own. Um, and then I started to implement them um, according to the, the students' needs. And so it just kind of just happened. Um, and when I would go into the classrooms, the teachers were like, you know, oh, uh, can you do this? And, can, and, and so we began slowly, um, we became a team, you know, but it took time. It took yeah. about two years. It, it took a lot of time and trust and um, understanding that if, you know, I needed that that teacher to do this, that she would do it and, you know, vice versa. So once I figured out what I needed to do, it worked out, you know. Um, and so after that, it was just great. I love co-teaching because it's just like, you know, you're hanging out with your friend while you're teaching the kids. It's good for the kids because you're modeling acceptable behavior when you have that mutual respect. Um, I just think that it makes all, it's not just for the kids with disabilities, it's for all the kids, you know, like um, it makes everybody better. So now you're actually teaching co-teaching strategies at LSU. So um, what are some strategies that you would advise um, special ed teachers or even ELM teachers to do uh, when they're uh, co-teaching in content area classrooms, because uh, a lot of these things I'm hearing from you, I think a lot of people new to co-teaching are encountering, right, and not knowing kind of their role and responsibility and how to like uh, teach um, also the students you're serving um, in that content area. I would, I, my advice to a new, a brand new, brand, a brand spanking new teacher um, <clears throat> before they start to get three good strategies yeah. in each area, get you three really good math strategies, um, get you three really good literacy strategies, get you three good writing strategies. Mm-hmm. And for behavior, you know, find something that, that can work for you, you know, cause you know, it's all in the implementation. And so if you have that toolbox, which is three, cause you know, sometimes you, when you have too many choices you can't make a choice. So, yeah. You know, you walk in with that and um, at least, you know, if you have a classroom of six or seven kids that need you, you may have three ELL students and three students with disabilities and you have to kind of maneuver between the two. 
um, at least you know one of those strategies is gonna is gonna help and it's not gonna hurt for sure. Um, yeah. And then from there you can say, well, this didn't work, that didn't work, that didn't work. Well, let me find something else. At yeah. least you know what you what's not gonna work. Um, and it's better than doing nothing, which is a lot of um, special ed teachers they're paralyzed because they they just they don't want to do the wrong thing and they don't want to you know. Um, so my advice would be to have a toolbox. Um, of sorts and, 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 and go from there. And then it, you'll, you'll see how to build up before you know it, you just have a whole library full of stuff, you know, and you'll be the person that everybody's gonna go to. Um, I find myself doing more consulting when I, my last couple of years in the classroom, they would come to me and say, well, this is the data, this is what the student is having problems with. Um, what do you think we should do? You know, so just start somewhere, you know, do yeah. some research. Yeah, and like as you said, it did take a few years uh, mm -hmm. to build up your uh, relationship with the co-teacher to really feel like you were having, um, you know, a, a good impact on the students as well. So it's uh, kind of a trial and error, mm -hmm. <laughs> like you say, right? Right. So now you're working um, kind of outside the classroom and your business um, helps prepare special ed teachers. Um, you told me that you coach also uncertified teachers, maybe people who are working in a paraprofessional role. Mm -hmm. um, so tell me a little bit about what you do to prepare them for um, a role, maybe before they get started at a school or if they're um, new to a school building and need support. Well, the, we have a lot of teachers, special ed teachers, new teachers that aren't certified. Um, and, I shouldn't say this, but I will. Um, the certification doesn't really matter when it comes to special ed because you're not going to learn what you need to be effective in your degree program anyway. And I'm, I'm and I teach I teach this, you know, uh, on a university level. I mean, you need a degree to teach. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> but um, special ed is it's an on the job thing. Yeah. So there's no, there's no distinction between someone with a a degree, a master's degree in special ed and somebody who is, has the willingness to do it. Um, there's no difference because you still have to learn it on yeah. the job, you know? So um, my approach with um, that particular group is, is no different than if someone um, is certified in special ed because um, the the, under, the undergraduate part is the more about theories and yeah. um, those type of things. It's, they're not saying that you're not gonna learn the strategies, all of that you have to do on your own. You, you know, we don't, there's, there's no time, <laughs> you know, we have to, um, we have to prepare them to take their practice and all their, you know, their tests that they have to, it's like seven tests that teachers have to take. Um, so, you know, we just treat, we teach them hands-on stuff, what you're going to need, um, behavior issues, because we're dependent on for classroom management. So I uh, make sure that they understand the importance of, uh, you know, um, managing the classroom um, and helping the students when they're struggling. That's, that's, that's the core of, you know, the, the actual teaching part. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, we got that over that, the, the other part where it's, we're doing um, paperwork and stuff, but that's boring. We're not gonna talk about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you mentioned in the pre-chat also, there's a lot of uh, special ed teachers leaving the profession at twice the rate as general ed teachers. So how's your business helping recruit more teachers to keep them in the This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts 
at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get back to the episode. Well, um, they are. Rec- I mean, they're recruiting a lot of uncertified yeah. people to fill the pipeline because there's, there's, and I don't think it's that people don't want to do special ed. I'll be honest with you. I don't think it's that. I think that there's not enough programs that that offer it because in Louisiana, yeah. I mean, we, I mean, we have a, a lot of programs, but very, very, very few offer special ed. Very few. And if they do, it's on a master's level, you know, yeah. so it's, it's more, like I said, theory. So we don't have a choice but to get to use uh, either paraprofessionals that want to kind of uh, go move up or um, teachers that with a degree, uh, someone with a degree that wants to teach. Um, and the problem with that is they a lot of times they, they want to get in through the special ed rock because it's easier to get a job um, mm-hmm. because of the shortage. And then yeah. once they get real good, then they move on to another discipline outside of special ed. So that's another another problem, another issue with the pipeline is that um, you know people are use special ed to get in and then they leave. Um, and so that's our issue. Um, and we have a lot of initiatives across the country, um, especially in rural areas, to get more special ed teachers. But there just there just isn't enough. It's just you know. Um, so we just train them to do, you know, a good job uh, while they're in the classroom, provide the services that, you know, I mean, that, I mean, it, it works, but in the rural areas, it's still, it's still a big problem. So um, you work with different districts. You said you work with the district that you taught in previously, but you can also do virtual consulting. Mm-hmm. Um, so you said you've been working with the New York City Special Ed Department. So what are some of the things that you are, you're able to provide as professional development for uh, districts that might be looking for um, some, some coaching uh, for their special ed teachers? Well, what I do, and that's why I call it coaching, um, I try to stay away from like the workshops and yeah. the, the little seminars and even the three-hour PDs. I, I don't find them effective. They've never been effective for me when I was a teacher. I try to... Um, my, what I do is I, I go in initially and I do a lot of modeling, um, yeah. a lot of modeling of, you know, uh, examples of when it's done correctly. And then I do some non-examples. <laughs> um, and so we kind of, kind of unpack that. And then I, I let them, you know, model, practice on each other, you know, pair up um, and, and practice these, uh, these strategies. Um, and then I give them some feedback. I let them reflect on it. I let them, uh, you know, let them judge each other. Um, I try to make it as um, collaborative and interactive as possible. I feel like that's what works. Um, And so as doing it virtually, it's really no different. Uh, A lot of times they will, they'll email the video of them doing whatever the assignment is, and they'll email it back and I'll provide my feedback. I do group coaching, you know, we're all on the, on the Zoom together um, and we'll look at the video together and everybody will chime in and give their, you know, input, what they saw, what they noticed. Um, and so, you know, special education is usually very isolating, very, because yeah. you're only one of a few. And so doing it like that, you know, there's a camaraderie, there's a, you know, that community building, I think that's important. And so my, um, what I offer, um, it's, it's very uh, interactive. It's always 
a group and it's always um, everybody kind of helping each other, offering yeah. support. Um, and so I, I feel that's effective, you know, and, and, and making it ongoing because a lot of times with, you know, um, these workshops, it's, you know, you don't see these people again. But so I try to, you know, I'm starting like an online community. Um, I just designed an app, you know, with like just keep putting resources in as I as I as I get them, um, just kind of staying in touch, um, so that you know if they're having a problem with implementing something or they have a situation with you know a parent or you know whatever, um, we maintain confidentiality, but you know they have an opportunity to bounce things off of each other and help each other out. So um, I think that works. I think that's what they need. Yeah, especially that's a place for people who can talk with other educators throughout the nation. Um, you know, it's not bound to their district, right? Uh, they might be encountering some of the same issues that people in different states are encountering, but it's also that level of like, they, they're free to like say kind of mm -hmm. what their problem is and not feel like they're being judged by somebody in their district. So yeah. yeah, I think that's a great opportunity for, for people uh, in education across uh, roles, you know. So um, you told me that you were uh, developing uh, a podcast. Um, so it's on the horizon. It's called Tale of Two Teachers. Uh, so tell me about what you'd like to um, kind of guess or who would you like to interview on the podcast? Kind of what will that what will that look like? In, in my in my head, it's going to be two teachers. Uh -huh. um, a general ed teacher and a special ed teacher or ELL teacher or a related uh, professional like a speech therapist or a diagnostician and just um, have them together and to get both of their tales, you know, the, their perspectives. Um, yeah. I think a lot of, there's a lot of unspoken things that happen between two teachers that share that one space. You know, yeah. kind of like, you know, they people compare it to marriage, you know, they say, you know, the, the, the really good ones are, are like a, a good marriage, you know, they, they communicate, they depend on each other, you know, they have these shared goals, they get to them at different in different ways. But, um, and so I'll, I see it as two teachers coming together to just tell their tales, and come together. And I think the dialogue is going to really help um, our mm -hmm. teachers, our other co-teachers. Because um, I think co-teaching is what is the, is the best way to educate a diverse group of students um, when it's done effectively, of course, you know. So I'm excited about that. I'm really excited about that project. Yeah, so you'll you'll be kind of reaching out to people that you know that have a good co-teaching relationship and kind of talking about um, how they, you know, maybe function and, you know, that'll give tips to others who are maybe new to that co-teaching um, role, right? Well, maybe, maybe I might get some, some some that have a bad relationship and I'd be like, Dr. Phyllis. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so I mentioned in the bio that you are currently working on your doctorate and mm -hmm. um, you sent me a little bit of information. Uh, the research is a reactive attachment disorder and disruptive mood dysregulation disorder um, and kind of uh, how... How are you um, implementing your research into um, how that'll look for your coaching business and helping teachers? Because, um, you know, I've heard of these disorders, but not being a special ed teacher myself, uh, explain to me a little bit about what that looks like in the classroom. Well, the 
the research is, is it has a lot to do with, I, I became a doctoral student um, after I adopted my two children um, out of foster care. They were seven and 10 at the time. And they, okay. they, have, they have those diagnoses. And so um, I started doing research before I, I even thought about getting a doctorate just to understand yeah. how to, um, how to serve uh, their needs because it was, I never heard of it before. I'm like, what is all these, these alphabets? <laughs> I'm like, what does this mean? And so, you know, and so when I started to research it, um, I realized how it's just so much. And so when I joined the doctoral program, I was like, well, I have all this research in my head. And so, um, and so it's, it'll be more of a um, trauma-based, um, from a trauma-based teaching lens because most kids that endure trauma have these labels, if you will. So I feel like in my coaching business, it'll probably be something that I will add eventually to my repertoire as far as classroom management um, and dealing with uh, difficult students um, because we have a need for that. I mean, I'm not talking about like regular cutting class. I'm talking about, you know, violent, uh, aggressive behavior um, and where that comes from, the brain science behind it. So um, I'm probably, my dissertation will probably turn into a book. And that's okay. my, I don't, I don't know if it'll ever be implemented in my coaching business um, as, unless it's just a trauma-informed um, information that I'm going to give to special ed teachers, but it was more of a personal. It started okay. out as a personal uh, thing. And, um, but I do feel like parents um, who adopt children, because it's more prevalent in adopted children, especially if they've been in foster care an extended period of time, like my kids were. Um, so I would like it to be informational for parents that, that don't know and teachers that don't know. I think if teachers really understood the brain science behind it, it would be different. They would approach um, managing behaviors in classrooms different. But I, I, I haven't figured out where it's going to be in my. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm not. I'm not there yet. I do know that I'm going to dis, uh, disseminate the information. I just don't know how. But um, so you're in your last semester of classes then at LSU, and you're preparing to write your dissertation. Yes, I've already started. Okay. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm almost in the home stretch because okay. I, okay. I had researched it so much before I even started. So I had been writing it. <laughs> yeah, so like you said, it will be, it'll turn into a book and it'll be a lot about like how to deal with things um, as that parent who adopts out of foster care, how to deal with things that no one tells you what to expect, right? That's kind of that manual for like right. some of those behavior uh, diagnoses, like you're saying, there's, mm -hmm. uh, there's, there's, I'm sure adoptive parent groups, but like, oh, yeah, not everybody's living the same story. And having that type of manual um, will definitely be useful. Yeah, yeah, so would be excited to hear about that. Maybe you could be a guest uh, on a later episode when yes. that book comes out. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so. Um, well, we've talked a lot about your coaching business, um, your uh, journey um, as a student yourself, and then um, as a new special ed teacher. Out of everything we've discussed on the podcast today, what's one thing you'd like listeners to remember? I would like the listeners to remember that the inclusion model works. Yeah. 
um, because there, there's a lot of uh, back and forth about it. Um, and not only does it work, it is the, it's the right of every child um, with a disability. Um, because I, I hear a lot of, I read a lot of things about um, people making it seem like they have a choice in the matter and they don't. Um, it's in the law. Um, since the Andrew F. decision, I mean, it's really, you know, uh, we haven't felt the effects because of COVID, but we all, are, I mean, we're going to all have our feet held to the fire. So we might as well, you know, adopt these practices because they are going to be the norm. And um, so, I, and when it's done systematically and with fidelity, it works. It works. I've seen it work. I've seen it work in my own uh, career. So if I want the listeners to remember, because they're probably all educators to some degree, um, to understand that having children of diverse learning abilities or disabilities, it makes all the kids better. It teaches compassion. It teaches them how to, um, you know, help someone who is, you know, um, who's struggling. So I would just say, you know, to not be so resistant and to um, embrace um, inclusion practices and, um, and, and because it models our being accepting of people and their differences. We model, we have to model that for the children. Um, maybe we won't have so many problems. Um, and so I, I think that it's important for the listeners to understand that uh, inclusion works and that we should really make an effort to make it work. It's so important to remember, and especially for people who um, may not have a co-teacher, but do have students um, with IEPs in their classroom and just really um, understanding that this is the best way for them to learn. And, you know, it, like you said, it teaches uh, other children compassion um, and um, yeah, gives them a different perspective. So uh, it was great having you on the podcast today. Where can people connect with you, find out more about your business and um, uh, maybe see you on social media? Um, you can follow me on Instagram um, at um, at sped wait at special ed teachers slay.com and slate is my framework that's what I call it because I'm a big Beyonce fan um, or you can follow me on LinkedIn Valentina White Rito uh, my my website is um, idea reimagined.com and I'm on Facebook Valentina Valentina uh, White Rito, and that's where my Facebook group is, where we um, kind of connect and we have a, a community of special educators and other stakeholders where we share information and give advice and all of that good stuff. Great. I'll make sure I include all that in the show notes. Well, thank you so much for being my guest on the Out of the Trenches podcast today. It was well, a pleasure having you for on. Having. I had so much fun. Thank you for having me. My book, Out of the Trenches, Stories of Resilient Educators, has now been published. Get it now at amzn.to slash 3b7-2z. Again, amzn.to slash 3b7-hx-2z. 
check out the show notes on danagudier.com to learn more about this guest and links to their social media. Please subscribe, share, rate, and review wherever you download this podcast. Tell your friends and colleagues about it. And if this episode resonates, especially with you, be sure to share it out on social media and tag me at Out of Trenches PC.